This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Go 24-7 podcast. Thanks so much for listening. A ton to get to on this edition of the podcast as LSU has plenty of players arriving in Indianapolis this week for the NFL Combine. We'll focus mostly on that, as well as the long-awaited move for Ed Ogeron to name a new running backs coach, replacing Tommy Robinson with Kevin Falk. We'll react to that, as well as look ahead to the week and also take a step back and review the Mardi Gras weekend that was. I'm Billy Embody. With me now, Shay Dixon. To kick off this edition of the pod, Shady, it's been rolling with NFL Combine info uh, already this morning with uh, quite a few LSU players not working out in Indianapolis, but not really surprising. Well, yeah, and we're only we're recording this podcast on Tuesday morning um, around 10 a.m., so 11 a.m. indie time. Uh, the interviews seem to be wrapping up for the day, but we found out that most notably Joe Burrow has said that he will not throw or work out this week. Grant Delpit reports have come out uh, from multiple different news outlets uh, that he will not work out this week. And then Moss and Caleb on chase on. So Thaddeus Moss uh, at tight end and obviously chase on as an edge rusher will not work out this week. And pretty much all of them said they're going to wait until LSU's pro day and, and kind of for different reasons. We know Delpit's been, uh, banged up at different times during the season. He said it's about getting healthy. Uh, Burrow said, look, we played all the way until uh, mid-January. So at this point, uh, I'm looking for some extra rest. I'll throw it my pro day. Uh, Billy, I'm not, I guess, knowing all of them, I'd be maybe most surprised at Chase on a bit. But it seems that each of them are kind of saying, look, we played longer than anyone uh, beyond Clemson, obviously. We took a couple weeks off. And uh, because of that, we want some extra time before uh, we go through workouts. Yeah, I I will disagree with you on Chase on. I think it's big for him not to work out at the NFL Combine. I think for him, coming off the season that he had, he was banged up at times early on, especially, and came on really strong, right? I mean, he had one of the more dominant finishes I think we've probably seen out of a defensive end in, in, in quite a while. And the reason why I'm not surprised he's not working out, I don't think he should, is because that gives him another month to get his 40 time down. That's another month to train on all of his shuttles and agility drills and work out in space and do all those things because that's what he's probably going to be asked of the most, I think, in these workouts with NFL teams is is going through uh, those types of drills and those types of uh, uh, movements. And so I, I'm not surprised that Caleb on Chasson didn't work out at the NFL Combine. And um, I think I was kind of more surprised that Thad Moss didn't, to be honest. And I know he had a big season as as uh, the top tight end statistically in LSU history in a single season. But I think if he would have ran well and, and all of that, and I think he had a lot more to gain in terms of moving up his draft stock. I don't think he's uh, solidified as a day two pick like some people think. 
uh, at least in NFL draft circles. But uh, look, somebody that's certainly not going on day two of the NFL draft is Joe Burrow. And that leverage comment made at the Davey O'Brien Award ceremony in Fort Worth uh, by the Fort Worth Star-Telegram and, and uh, when he was receiving the award in Dallas about being able to control what he can, can, can do and control his draft process, he cleared that up and said, look, I'm going to go where I'm drafted and, and I'll, of course, play for Cincinnati. That comment, he said, was made about controlling his actual NFL draft process, which means I don't want to work out the combine. I don't I don't need to work out the combine. I'm not I'm not going to work out at the combine. So he kind of squashed that anti Cincinnati chatter that was really coming from just kind of the media draw, drumming that up. And you even mentioned it on the last pod that we did that it was kind of nothing really to it. Yeah, I, and I don't think any of us really thought that at the end of the day he would, as people were saying, pull an Eli, but uh, put himself into a position where he basically said, no, I'm not signing with you. And he had comments today um, like, look, I'm two, in, two hours from uh, my parents' house. I can go home for dinner. Not many people get to do that in the NFL. Uh, on and on about how there's no reservations he has right now uh, about playing for uh, the Cincinnati Bengals, being taken at number one. He came out and killed it right off the bat with the first question, killed all of the chatter by just saying, I'm a ball player, basically. I'm going to play with whoever picks me. And I'll add that um, Zach Taylor, the coach of the head coach of the Bengals, and um, and Joe Burrow have both said uh, that they have not met each other this week, that that will happen later in the week for their uh, head coach and, and potential number one pick sit down. Uh, but you've got to remember, too, I think, uh, as teams meet with Burrow, A, they'll be falling more and more in love with him, not that the Bengals don't want to take him, uh, but because you get to just talk ball, which is what Burrow said he's here for this week when he's not working out. Uh, we know that as the son of a coach, that's something he's always probably really strived on. Uh, Orgeron talked about that when he got here on his official visit, that they talked ball, and it was so evident that he was light years ahead of where uh, everybody else they had in the building was, uh, and that was a major reason he came in and started right away. Uh, but I'll add this. Remember, Taylor played at Nebraska as a quarterback back in uh, 2007, maybe right before that. Uh, but they've got the Burrow connection there. Uh, as a former player, I'm sure he knows everything there is uh, to know about Joe Burrow and vice versa, uh, given that Joe's dad and both his brothers played at Nebraska. And uh, people even already commented that uh, the last time a quarterback measured in the big hand, the big, and we'll talk about this next, the big uh, hand measurement, uh, only nine inches. The last quarterback, Billy, uh, to go nine inches and be, uh, or at least one of the last ones to go high in the draft, uh, was Jared Goff, his quarterback coach when he came out, Zach Taylor. So connections all over the board. Burrow squashing it means that at least for the next month, we can talk about other things. We don't have to talk about uh, the idea that Joe Burrow is going to back out of the number one pick. You mentioned those small hands. Uh, do you think it's a big deal? I don't think it is. But look, there's there's all sorts of statistics you can play back and forth with this stuff. I mean, Patty Mahomes coming out and saying, look, man, I'm doing just fine with my small hands. Don't you worry about it. But then, of course, there's people that will point to other NFL draft picks, uh, highly rated ones that that had the small hands didn't work out. What, what What's your thought on on hand gate? Okay, so yeah, so I don't think it's a big issue at all. It, it wouldn't be any reason for me to hesitate picking him uh, in this draft right now. You know, I've seen the film. I know what he can do. Uh, so there I have no real worry. Uh, I do now that's college. NFL, 
The only thing I've seen out there, which to me, and I guess when you think of hand size, you think, okay, the NFL ball's a little bit bigger. Is he going to throw it the same? How does he look? Teams are going to have, have him throwing. They're going to have him at LSU's pro day. Uh, they're going to get to do private workouts with him and, and kind of pull him aside and, and talk to him about things. They're going to have everything they need to know about that. But Billy, I'll ask you this. You, you work in the NFL, done plenty of stuff with the Redskins. The one thing I've seen that I'm like, okay, that could make some sense to me is that cold weather games or cold weather teams or wet weather teams, that that could be where you worry about someone's hand size. Now, in your time working around NFL teams, have you ever, I know it's Washington, D.C., it does get cold there, is hand size, is fumbling by quarterbacks because of their hand size like a big talking point? I don't know if it's a huge talking point, but I'll say this. The NFL ball is a lot, I mean, in, in relative size to the to the college football version it's a lot bigger like i remember uh was doing some pre-draft workouts this was back when i was in high school and i was a senior in high school and i'd been working out throwing college footballs getting ready to to walk on and all that stuff and i was it was pretty cool john gruden's kid went to my high school and so john would bring in all of the the draft guys that they would do the show with uh, to work them out, all the quarterbacks, Cam Newton, Tim Tebow, all of those guys came through Tampa, and we actually got to throw with them. And you know, I threw with uh, Cam and Tim Tebow, and and then our receivers worked them out. And this was back in the early days before they brought in all the college receivers in the NFL and really did up the production value um, in, for Gruden's like draft thing that he would do with these guys. That NFL ball was like a big step up, and I'm sure my hands aren't nearly aren't anywhere close to Burroughs, but it was a big step up. So I don't I don't have any concerns about Burrow, like you said. The film, all that stuff is out there, but the, the NFL ball is actually considerably, considerably bigger than the college ball. It's a different looking football, so he will have to adjust. It will be something that he'll have to kind of figure out, but you know, Joe, I mean, he's a gamer. He's pretty lax with this stuff, type of stuff, I would say, is probably the way I would describe it, he's going to think of it as playing football. He'll figure it out. He's figured it out uh, how to how to make things work for him in the past and, and certainly this season. So I don't think I'm not worried at all about uh, his hand size on this one. I would. Yeah, I would think also, too, that with the amount of stuff Schefter uh, and Kuyper and McShay and all these NFL uh, guys who sort of lead the way what they get. Um, that what he's been working out, what are we, February 20th, probably for a month, uh, you know, throwing and working with wherever he's at. I think he was in California at some point. Uh, but point being, like, wouldn't it have leaked out if they were like, look, sources are saying that the transition from the college to the NFL ball's really um, been kind of a rocky one or something like that if it were evident that it were a big deal and he wasn't looking just like he did before. Yeah, and – I think what we would have seen is is a little bit of a spin from his camp in, in, in some sense, uh, if that was the case, maybe. But look, we're going to see him work out at, at Pro Day. We're going to see him throw the football there. I have very little concern that he's going to look any different in a pre-draft, sh- shorts and t-shirt, orchestrated, scripted throwing session with an NFL football. Um, so I, I think we can kind of put to rest how his hands will impact at least his pre-draft process. And, and we'll find out uh, 
when he when he takes the field uh, whenever that is for most likely the Cincinnati Bengals. But as as Patty Mahomes told him, I, I this is not something that uh, I'd be worrying about too much. Although we we just spent uh, quite a few you know a few minutes uh, talking about it. One thing that I think we can move on to now is I think probably one of the more interesting things that came out of uh, the NFL Draft Combine is is CD Lamb dishing out the praise to LSU corner and, and All-American Derek Stingley Jr., calling him the best corner he faced in all of college football. This is not really shocking news to, I think, you or me. No, I think it's I think it's probably a pretty uh, a pretty honest statement. It's not the first time we've heard uh, beyond CeeDee Lamb, uh, other guys this year have come out uh, and said that about Stingley. Um, I thought it was, and this is not a knock at all on Bo Nix, who won SEC Freshman of the Year. I didn't think – I thought that Derek Stingley had a better freshman season. I would not have uh, – even removing covering LSU. I watched plenty of Auburn's football games. Uh, I can look at their stats. I know uh, that Derek Stingley had a better freshman season than Bo Nix. He should have won that award. He was an All-American. Uh, on the freshman level, be an All-American as he continues through college. No doubt there. Uh, and we're talking NFL Combine stuff, NFL Draft stuff. Uh, good for us uh, to include Stingley into this one because then we'll include him again next year. Uh, and then finally, uh, in two years on the pod, uh, we'll be talking about him going as a, a probably top five pick. So we knew coming in what we had him as the highest ranked corner in the history of 24-7. Not we, but the company did. And uh, he's lived right up to what everybody thought he would be, which is uh, the best cornerback, best defensive back in college football. Yeah, I'm not looking forward to two years from now. I'll be 30 when we're talking about Derek Stingley Jr. as a draft prospect. So scary stuff there. Scary stuff there. But uh, he will be one of the best NFL draft prospects out there. There's very little doubt about that. He'll be one of the best college football players over the next two years as well. He's got plenty of time to improve his stock. LSU players that are in the NFL draft process right now, it'll be here before they know it. Quick two months, they'll blink. It'll be draft day just under two months to the NFL draft who improves their stock the most this week. And as it's kind of early too, because we don't know who's going to also make the call to not work out. But I think Patrick queen, if he ends up working out, he's got one of the best shots to, to improve his draft draft stock, his athleticism. He's probably viewed in a way as kind of the other linebacker next to Jacob Phillips, who, who started a little bit longer than, than queen did. But I mean, his athleticism, his frame, all the things he can do. He's rushed a passer. I think he's got a chance to really boost his stock this week if he works out. Yeah, I like that. I'm going with, uh, I mean, I've been riding that Clyde Edwards dealer train for a bit, and I think there's no reason to bail on that when uh, right now he goes into a week where he can interview with people, which he'll do really well with. Uh, he's unbelievable with the media. Media. He's always been a coach's favorite. I mean, all of the, uh, from Les Miles to Orgeron, uh, they've always praised him as one of the leaders and um, he'll just, he'll do well in an interview setting. Then he's going to work out and more, more importantly for me, he'll test. Uh, and he, in high school, which he checked in today about seven pounds heavier than he was uh, leaving high school. He ran a verified four, four, seven, a four Oh four shuttle, uh, a 39.8 vert. If he can get anywhere near 40 inches this week in a vertical, I know his shuttle is going to be low because we saw what he can do. Uh, with that lateral movement uh, just as a junior this past year with so many of his plays coming off that. 
maybe he's not running a four four seven, but I don't think he's going to be uh, anywhere in what people would deem slow uh, because of that. I, I've just said it. I think Billy, everyone's got to be looking for a reason, knowing what he did on film, knowing he can catch it and run it, knowing he can pass protect for you, and knowing that even at his size, he got it done at the highest level uh, in the SEC. Teams are going to love him. They're going to want to be looking for another reason to say, I don't care that he's 5'7". Uh, I think the combine will give him that, that sort of extra push, and, and he'll move up some boards. Yeah, I think that's a really good pick as well. I, I think he's, he's already raising his stock. We saw it on NFL.com, them moving him up into the top overall 32 players, at least according to Daniel Jeremiah on his uh, top you know, group of players. And I think that says a lot for a running back in, in today's NFL where it's just not a, as big of a premium position to draft them in the first round. Very, very few guys have earned that, uh, no doubt, uh, that's the guy you need to pick in the first round. He's worth a first-round draft pick as a running back. Very few guys have done that. And, and while that doesn't mean that Clyde will go in the first round, uh, by any means, getting into that top 32 range is pretty impressive for him. And, and that's before he's even touched the field as an NFL draft prospect. Shay, I think we've uh, talked a good bit about the combine now. Uh, one player that went through the combine way back in the day, uh, one of the best in LSU history, Kevin Falk, the new LSU running backs coach, we're going to talk about him taking over for Tommy Robinson on uh, the flip side of this break from the Go 24-7 podcast. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The time has come for drag queens to save the world. RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars is back on Paramount Plus, and for the first time ever, I want you to use your talent for good for a change. <laughs> Eight iconic queens are competing for the charity of their choice. This is how you do drag. Who will slay it forward, win cash for their favorite cause, and a coveted spot in the Drag Race Hall of Fame. RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars. New season streaming May 17th exclusively on Paramount Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. Welcome back to the Go 24-7 podcast. Thanks for listening. Quick reminder, guys, subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. If you like the new format with kind of us running down five big things, then uh, taking on a big topic on the other side of the break, and also, uh, you know, whatever you like about uh, the podcast or dislike, let us know. Shay, something that LSU fans really seem to like, the news broke late Monday night. Kevin Falk replacing Tommy Robinson as the running backs coach. We've told Go 24-7 subscribers this for weeks now, it seems, that Kevin Kevin Falk was going to take over as running backs coach. He was on the recruiting trail this spring, even alongside Tommy Robinson, recruiting Kevontre Bradford. We've already heard from LJ Johnson, the LSU legacy, that Kevin Falk's been recruiting him for quite a while. This is a very natural move for Ed Ogeron upgrading in his mind the running backs coach position and and getting one of uh, the greatest players in LSU history on on the field coaching yeah I mean this was something that when they hired Kevin when coach O brought Kevin Falk onto the staff uh, and put him in that uh, sort of off-field role that was also very heavily involved 
uh, not just with player development on the team, but also the recruiting side of things, it was evident that, uh, hey, look, at one point, Kevin Falk's going to be an on-field coach for a college team, uh, and Ed Orgeron appears to be sort of uh, putting them on the track right now for the Tigers to to be that team, and sure enough, it didn't take uh, very long, and we we you laid it out, but we knew because of the reality that Tommy Robinson's contract expired uh, next month in March, uh, and there had not been any word yet uh, of an, you know reports that he was getting his, uh, a new contract or his contract extended. Uh, there had been nothing put in front of the board of supervisors, uh, and that had been the case for other uh, coaches on the staff, whether their contracts were up this offseason or not. So we knew then that something was up. You couple that with uh, Billy, we had reported, uh, and it had been reported elsewhere that he was uh, interviewing at, at multiple different schools. Um, so the exit strategy was already in play uh, with Kevin Falk, then moving right in. As you said, he had been on the road recruiting for him, which was sort of a benefit there. Like he wasn't on the road in place of Tommy Robinson, but with Joe Brady and, uh, and uh, Dave Aranda both gone from the staff, they were sort of in that uh, I guess what point before signing day and even leading up through signing day where both Linehan and Bo Pelini had not both been hired yet. So they got to put Kevin Falk out on the road as kind of in the place of Aranda uh, or in place of Joe Brady, however you want to look at it. Uh, and because of that, he got to know guys uh, not just in the senior class finishing up with Bradford, but as you said, LJ Johnson, Kamar Wheaton, some of these kids for next year are now this current cycle uh, that they're going to want to recruit and be in on and, and are already recruiting, obviously. Uh, and the fact that he got to go out there and make some of those relationships start to uh, build on them even more uh, than what he knew when they came to campus, I think, is is big. So from that perspective, we get it. Now I think people will wonder, Billy, okay, well, how good how good of a coach is he? No doubt he can recruit for you. He's, one, he's a legend. He's one of the most famous players ever to play at LSU. He's from Louisiana. He, Bill Belichick has called him uh, his favorite player he's ever coached. He's won a bunch of Super Bowls, but what kind of coach does he become? And for me, and I'll let you weigh in because I know that you're around NFL personnel and, and coaches a lot more, but I feel like for someone who's played the position as long as he has and is as heady as he is uh, because he's always been praised for uh, being a student of the game and being able to apply that onto the field and being someone who can kind of do everything you need uh, from a running back because of that, I think you kind of can become a good teacher and understand really um, that running back. And I'm not trying to knock running back as uh, a, you know, a position that's not tough to coach or something like that. I don't have that sort of extensive knowledge of being a running backs coach, but I would think it would be easier Billy, for a guy to make that jump than it would to be, you know, a quarterback's coach, an offensive coordinator, whatever, uh, may involve a lot more people with running back. Uh, I feel like he's been around it long enough at these practices, been around it long enough just playing the game that this is an easy transition, and he probably can prove his worth rather quickly. Yeah, I'm with you, and and I'll say it because uh, you didn't you know, say it. Running back is kind of a easy position to coach. That's where a lot of coaches actually build up their resumes, coaching running backs, that's kind of a recruiting position as well. So coaches will often, head coaches will often stick some of their best recruiters in there. I think Ed Ogeron just thought he can upgrade this spot. And Clyde Edwards-Elaire and I was working on some draft stock, uh, draft stuff uh, for him uh, this morning. 
and I stumbled upon his quotes about Kevin Falk at the national championship game at, at media day and, and a couple highlights for you. So, um, his, uh, Clyde stepdad's from Lafayette, uh, Kevin Falk from Lafayette, obviously that'll help, uh, it with Sage Ryan, who's, who's a big target for LSU in 2021. There's, there's a lot of good talent, uh, in Lafayette and, and Acadiana coming up as well. Here's something, here's two things that stood out to me. Kevin Falk and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire talked every day. He was in the running backs room. He was always around that group. And Clyde said that throughout the weekend, they get done with the game, kind of let him sit on on that game and kind of think it over and, and go back over some film. And then Saturday morning or Saturday night, late, late night, Kevin Falk's texting him, hitting him up, letting him know some thoughts, things like that. And I think that just kind of shows kind of the dedication that Kevin Falk had already put into the position ahead of time. Uh, and then the next one was that their first conversation wasn't, hey, what's up? We're trying to get to know each other. Kevin Falk said to him, how do you pass through your height? Very simple. We're going to work on it. And literally, Clyde said, I want to say three or four hours later, we were indoors working on it. That's, I think, what Kevin Falk is going to bring. This understanding of the position, like you mentioned, having played it for so many years, and the trust that the running backs will have in him because of that, because of his resume, because of how much he cares, and especially cares about LSU, he'll be a big positive for this group. So uh, I'm excited to see what he does. I I think he's he's got, obviously, the resume uh, on the field to do it. And, and he's clearly built a big rapport with the players so far uh, in that room. And 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 uh, even uh, Ty Davis-Price and John Emery kind of mentioned him to me as well when we were talking to, to them at the national championship game. So uh, great hire for Ed Ogeron. I think it's a natural move. And, and it's okay to get a little bit of fl- fresh blood in there as well. Um, I don't think it was that Tommy Robinson was doing a bad job or anything, especially on the field. Uh, running backs were fairly productive while he was there. Ed Ogeron just thought, he could get a little bit more out of it. And so I think it's a very natural replacement, uh, a really good hire, and and I think he'll do very, very well. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I think it's a great hire. And, again, I think that being around, like, these off-field coaches aren't allowed to be as hands-on, obviously, as these on-field coaches are. It's just how it works. But he has been around these guys long enough to where if guys like Clyde and them are giving him a lot of credit for their development, then, uh, you know, it's a good thing. And, uh, look, I'm just – I'm now – I like this hire because I think that people at times have knocked some of the hires for some of the unknowns. Like, what can they do for recruiting? Most recently, Pelini and Scott Linehan. So, Pelini hasn't um, recruited uh, in the SEC since he was at LSU, what, 10-plus years ago, obviously. Uh, and then he'd been at Youngstown State forever. How would he uh, transition back into recruiting now? You know, rumor was he didn't love it then. and. With Linehan, you've got a guy who's been in the NFL forever. How does he transition to recruiting? With a guy like Kevin Falk, you get a guy who you have no doubt will be one of the best recruiters on your staff. He already had been recruiting for LSU for multiple years, given the position he was in. In fact, he spent more time with your recruits than the coaches did because often they're out coaching, especially on game days and uh, stuff like that, practices. So he's one of the guys taking recruits around and hanging out with their families. So if you wanted their recruiting staff to move up with any of these recent hires like you liked a lot of the hires because of 
uh, what they bring from a, a football perspective, a high IQ perspective in terms of uh, how your offense is going to be run. I think that Falk, sure, he can bring that. But more importantly, maybe he brings an element in recruiting to where almost instantly he probably becomes one of your better recruiters on staff, just given he knows the lay of the land in recruiting right now, like this modern age of recruiting where we're dealing with transfer portals and social media and uh, two signing days, all this different stuff um, that's been very recent. He's been there for all of that. Uh, and I think because of it, um, he's going he's gonna to be someone uh, that we look at in the next few years as, uh, look, he's, he's been here, he's staying here, and, and he's going to be one of your most consistent recruiters each season. Yeah, I think we're we're in agreement. Good hire for LSU. Good hire for Ed Ogeron. Great news for Kevin Falk. And best of luck to Tommy Robinson, who moves on to Texas A&M, just the latest LSU assistant to land on uh, former LSU assistant to land on Jimbo Fisher's staff uh, over there in College Station. So uh, LSU fans, you'll you'll at least see him uh, <laughs> next year if you go to College Station or uh, whenever that when when the Aggies make it back to Baton Rouge, uh, more likely than not. Shay, uh, enough with uh, the football talk. I think it's. It's time to get down to serious business, uh, and that was how was your Mardi Gras weekend? <laughs> okay, well, it was uh, it was okay. Let's recap. It was good, and I stuck to um, my plan, which I'd revealed on the previous podcast of what my schedule would be. So Friday, Pato's had a great time there. Did a little bit of the courtyard, uh, did the piano bar, was able to get um, a good bit of, uh, of daytime parades in uh, with the walking parades in the quarter. Um, so all of that was a good time. Went and watched some parades that evening uh, down on, I think we were down in the magazine area, but uh, had a really good time. Friday, great. Saturday, great. Uh, ended up watching parades pretty much all day, uh, all the way up through the evening. Um, you know, I hopped around a little, ate some food at some different restaurants. Uh, and then Sunday did the Bacchus Ball, which was uh, a really fun time. Second time I've done that, still sticking by my uh, vote that I'll take Bacchus ball over Endymion just because it's not as the size of the ball is not as big as Endymion, certainly when it was in the Superdome, especially. Uh, but being at the convention center, not being completely packed out, easy to move around and see your friends. I saw a number of people, uh, people from the site, uh, people from LSU, people in the media, Jordy Collada, um, saw a bunch of different folks. So uh, was a good time, and then Monday tapped out. So, you know, it was back on Monday, uh, and now Tuesday uh, I'm recording Mardi Gras Day, the pod with you. Uh, so I'm not quite the person who can make it five days, but, Billy, I put in a, a good, consistent three days in New Orleans, and, and it was a success. Good to hear, Shay. I uh, ventured down to Spanish Town on Saturday and had a terrific, uh, terrific day. Uh, down there with, with James Moran, formerly of Tiger Ag, now uh, doing doing some work with, with, with Scooter Hobbs and the American uh, press out there. And we really attacked it uh, by starting off on Spanish Town Boulevard. We were in between 5th and 6th, great little spot, had a good bit of shade, watched the first round of the parade, and then walked over to Laurel Street where we caught it the second time around. And and we had quite the time. We had quite the day. We ended up at Ivar's, ate some wings, watched some LSU baseball. Uh, it was a long day and, and then actually made the decision to, to meet some friends and, and do a little uh, steak cookout dinner. And uh, it, was, it, was, it was just a little too much, man. It was just a little too much. The early morning got to me, and I missed the, the Tyson Fury-Deontay Wilder fight. 
called it quits, went home, uh, passed out on the couch. Uh, but a great, great Spanish town parade. Uh, what a wild scene. Uh, I enjoyed uh, uh, plenty of the floats. Uh, there was a really good one with, with uh, Odell Beckham Jr. with his dollar dollar bills uh, <laughs> kind of painted on the side from the national championship game. Uh, the, the theme was Hindsight 2020. So uh, a lot of uh, a lot more Joe Burrow, uh, uh, but than I wanted to see probably again. But great time on Spanish Town. Uh, woke up, kind of chilled around. Uh, ended up uh, kind of going over to Superior and, and watching uh, some golf on on Sunday afternoon and and really taking a chill. It's been it's been a long year. I think finally the the, the run to the national championship and through National Sign Day kind of caught up to me uh, the back half of this month, but. A great weekend, no doubt, and uh, uh, already looking forward to, to next year's Mardi Gras. I'll, I'll be I'll be back in action, I think, for a longer weekend next year. And so was every Spanish town float pretty much something about LSU? Yeah, there was a lot of LSU. There was a good bit of election stuff, which we definitely won't oh, get okay, into. That's true. Uh, but there were some really entertaining ones. There was uh, Dabo Sweeney was a, a, a naked baby. Uh, kind of crying, so there was that. Uh, they had some fun with Dabo a little bit there. Um, yeah, dude, a ton of LSU stuff. Um, just a lot of Joe Burrow love, um, a lot of Ed Ogeron. Uh, there was there's plenty of it. They, they, that was probably the over the overwhelming uh, part of the parade was was all the Joe Burrow, all the LSU um, floats uh, kind of painted. Uh, around and then and then they kind of made light of the uh, upcoming election as well. But uh, pretty wild, great people watching, really outstanding people watching. I'm a big people watcher um, and really enjoyed uh, that. Um, one thing I enjoyed as well, uh, kind of moving on from Mardi Gras, was uh, Will Wade's rant on the schedule this week, which uh, <laughs> he's not happy about. It. LSU's got the late tip off Wednesday night at Florida, the nine o'clock Eastern tip, and then. They get Texas A&M on Saturday at 11 a.m. in Baton Rouge. So they'll get back around 2, 3 a.m. from Florida if they don't go into overtime and then have to turn around on Thursday off, prepare on Friday, and then no shoot around on Saturday. So, look, I thought his uh, rant probably could have been saved for maybe after the week and maybe attacked the issues then, depending on how they did. Um, but but uh, it was pretty entertaining when we were sitting in there. He had uh, plenty of thoughts on it. And uh, clearly not happy, but a big matchup nonetheless at Florida Wednesday night. Uh, also Wednesday night, the baseball team takes on Louisiana Tech. So they'll have that and a ton of top combine uh, coverage. So uh, kind of a busy, uh, busy week here. But that LSU-Florida game is always a great matchup, at least over the last uh, really year and a half. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think this is another big uh, must win uh, for LSU. I thought that uh, the past weekend's game was good because they got ahead, and even when they they got dicey there at the end, I think what it got down to maybe five or so, uh, that they ended up sticking it out, uh, being able to get away from there uh, and hold on with the win without completely melting uh, at the end. But uh, look, I'll give you. I'm kind of most excited for this game to watch Charles Manning again. I thought he brought all kind of energy. Uh, I thought that he was confident when he got the ball on offense, but even more so defensively, what he's able to do for you. Uh, big Charles Manning fan. I really think that uh, you've said it before, but boy, 
how uh, important is he not just getting back healthy, but being someone who can really contribute for you, uh, whether it's coming off the bench or putting him into the lineup right away. Yeah, Charles Manning has been a big, big impact. I, I like what Wade toying with the lineup a little bit, getting some go- other guys some looks in there. Uh, Andre Hyatt made the start at South Carolina, so kind of a wake-up call for the team. A little bit of a, a, a tweak there. They needed it after you know, kind of some disappointing uh, efforts, obviously, and it paid off. Big win at South Carolina. Never easy to beat a Frank Martin team. As much as I uh, love uh, love uh, Coach Martin and just kind of how he runs things, uh, playing against his team is physical. It's not fun. And uh, LSU, uh, they got away with, with another win, 86-80 over South Carolina. They'll look to uh, sweep the Gators Wednesday night in Gainesville, 8 o'clock uh, Central Time on, on the SEC Network with that one. Uh, Shea, I think... Uh, this pod has, has gone on long enough. There'll be plenty more of it this week as the combine rolls on. A lot of basketball stuff to recap. And, and look, we've, we've got to start looking ahead. The dead period is uh, upon us uh, as far as uh, an ending date coming. So it'll be back to full-blown uh, recruiting coverage uh, coming back, coming up as well. Yeah, and, and look, combine rolls along. We've got uh, baseball, you know, moving right along as well. Uh, they got a, what, a weekend series, obviously, and and an in-state game against La Tech uh, in the midweek. But uh, I'm excited uh, for the weekend, uh, whether it's uh, you're not looking past Florida, but I'm excited about that A&M game, a big jersey retirement uh, coming for the Tigers. Uh, and obviously I'll be focused on this combine with, uh, though we do know a handful of guys are not working out, we'll still get to see uh, some others, Clyde, Justin Jefferson, a ton of these guys on defense. Um, we'll get to see the O-line guys test. It's going to be, uh, I think, a really big week. 16 guys there. So even uh, with the news of a few of them holding back, that uh, there'll be plenty of news to pass along. And uh, I'm excited to see it. It's uh, Well, I feel like we'll know a little bit more about how many first-rounders LSU can really get uh, once kind of uh, we see everything happen this week and then word starts to leak out about how they did in interviews. Yeah, it, it, they have the chance to, to make a historic run on first-round picks. There's no doubt. There's enough talent out there in Indy for LSU. A lot of them probably not going to work out. I don't blame them, so we'll see more of them on Pro Day. But we'll keep you guys locked in on that uh, with who's working out, who's not, with all of our combine coverage this week. Shay, uh, have a great rest of the week. Hope you're uh, re- well-rested from the, the Mardi Gras uh, festivities. And uh, hope everyone else had a great and safe Mardi Gras weekend. And uh, happy Mardi Gras, everybody. Happy Fat Tuesday. Thanks for listening to this edition of the pod. Quick reminder to subscribe to go 24-7. You can do that for just a dollar. And check that out on the site and get all the VIP coverage uh, as we continue to roll out some recruiting updates on on some juniors, rising juniors and rising uh, seniors, as well as their uh, recruitment start to pick up. A lot of seven-on-seven going on. So uh, recruiting notebooks and takeaways from that rolling out on the site uh, from our national team. So thanks for listening to the pod, guys, and uh, we'll catch you next time. The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount+. Plus. What brings you to the show? Opportunity. Everybody get down! Walk right up to the side. A new rain is coming to the south side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes now streaming. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with the Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. The subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply.